I got a message from my uh, daughter-in-law who lives in Washington, the state of, and uh, they were riding somewhere, and I don't know how they did it, that's that technology thing, but anyway, somehow they can get my pea brain on the radio. Okay, I don't know if it's a digital something that they loaded or what, but... They were driving. She has remarried, and the guy to married, he's fascinated. So he's listening to some of my stuff, and all of a sudden, Gracie, my granddaughter, yells out from the back seat, "That's Grandpa!" <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, "Wow, that's pretty good." <laughs> so, so anyway, where was I? Ephesians chapter two, verses eleven to twenty-two, beginning of verse eleven to the end of the chapter. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have our access in one spirit to the father so that you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into the holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Father, thank you. Thank you for the power of this text, the power of this letter, the power of your written word and the hearts of your people. Lord, I had asked that now they don't hear me, but they would hear you. And that, Father, they would understand and embrace the amazing miracle of the unity of the body of Christ. And that, Father, we'd be overwhelmed. And that, Father, we would stand in awe of this privilege, but also in the power that it took to bring humanity into a proper relationship with humanity's creator and sustainer. Thank you, Lord. Teach us this day in Christ's name. Amen. There's an overwhelming kind of like the umbrella of the book of Ephesians, and it's the essence of unity. We live in a time, and then I cannot really look at history when I could say that there was unity in any any situations it's there's always been war and strife and travails and whatever else you want to call them for the history of man i mean if you really honest with it it started with cain and abel and has not really gotten much better since we have managed to be able to do it a lot more efficiently but other than that i can't say that i would say that there's anything that i would look at and say there is unity We looked at this because the unity is because of the alienation apart from Christ. Okay? You can't have that away from Christ. Christ is the unifying factor, I guess, if you want to call it that. And and yet, when I look at it, it's even today, if you look at the evangelical community, we are bound and determined to put some kind of divisions out there. 
And, you know, I remember years ago I was at a conference in California and the, the, the big brains were there. I mean, uh, these guys, you know, they, they'll use a sentence and you're sitting there going, I don't know what he said, but he was excited about it. I mean, there, there's, there's some people out there that it's like when I look at spiritual gifts, there, there's the spiritual gift of knowledge and then the spiritual gift of wisdom. Okay, the guys that have the gift of wisdom can take these guys that got the knowledge and make it so we can understand what it was he just said. I remember listening to a guy named uh, Spiros Zodiades. I was getting ready to go into the letter of Hebrews and he was going to do chapter one of Hebrews. Okay, now this guy, he writes dictionaries, Greek dictionaries. Now, that's something you just want to grow up and attain to, isn't it? Okay, but that's the kind of person that he is. I mean, there's, there's times, I mean, Spiros Zodiades, he's probably good at Greek, don't you think? But anyway, he, he wrote this stuff. And I remember we were sitting there, and he gave us a hard copy. And I'd asked him before the class, I said, what would you, I'm getting ready to teach Hebrews. How would you instruct me to go? And he says, oh, very simple, very simple. I said, all right, good. He says, interpret it yourself. I was like, what? And he says, yes, get the original manuscripts and translate it into English yourself. Yo, dude, <laughs> I'm not going to live that long. <laughs> can, can you give me point B? <laughs> okay. So anyway, he's, he's going through this and he's, he's doing an exegetical commentary on the book of Hebrews. And he had just finished chapter one. So he gives us a pre publication of chapter one. Okay, so we're sitting there and I'm looking through this one. Oh, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. This guy, he, woo he's got it. He's got it. I'm going through it. So he, we sit down and he says, now everyone turn in your, your Bibles to John chapter one. I thought it was Hebrews. <laughs> and we're doing Hebrews. And so I just sat there like, I've already t- told me to interpret myself. I'm not asking question number two. So, he takes off, and I think, well, maybe he means Hebrews 1, and he just said John 1. Nope, he takes off a verse-by-verse exposition of John chapter 1. So why would you give me all this stuff on Hebrews? Okay, now this is a five-day class. Okay, three hours a day for five days. Okay, so I will go back to the next day, and I was like, today we'll get into Hebrews. Okay, sure enough, what does he do? If you would, please, turn to John chapter 1. Well, why did you give me this Hebrew stuff? I couldn't understand, you know, I, it was awesome. Okay? And if you go read John chapter 1, then you'll understand it if you've ever read Hebrews. Because John chapter 1 and Hebrews chapter 1 are mirrors. But he took us all the way around. And this is what people with knowledge do. They go around the planet and they go out past Mars and they circle around Uranus and all of these other places. And they come back around and you land in Hebrews chapter one. But you were on an adventure and then you're like, wow, man. But see, that's the gift of knowledge. I don't have that. Okay, because if I'd have had that, I'd have said, well, yeah, John chapter one is the mirror of Hebrews one. I got that after five days. Okay, mine is saying, okay, I just did a thing through the solar system. How do I make this thing work? Okay, that's where I'm at. So you guys are to be pitied. But uh, these are the things that I want us to think about, because these are the things that are in the body of Christ that unify us okay the giftings are different but if you take these things and you look at them you sit there and you say okay here's this big broad brush thing that oh my gosh i don't know what's going on and then all of a sudden you land back here and say okay now it makes sense it makes sense okay to an unbeliever that don't make sense Natural man, Paul told the Corinthians, cannot understand the things of God. They are foolishness. Okay? And you know what? Truth of the matter is, yeah, it is. That's why everything, 
All the religions you see out there are man-made. Why? I can do X, Y, and Z to appease whoever it is I think I'm worshiping. All right? If I look at Scripture, I said, there's no way I can do this. There's no way I can do this. You know, Jesus made it easy for us. What's the greatest commandment? He was asked that question. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Okay, now go do that. I can make it easier for you. You don't even have to love your neighbor as yourself. If you do the first one, the second one will automatically happen. But I'd give you a $100 bill if you could love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength for one second. We were, David was praying right after he got done reading. I've got my head down like this. Thank you, Father. Oh, I think I've got water in the fuel of my tractor. Great. That's hanging out in the heavenlies, isn't it? Lord, can you make it evaporate? Poof, to, so I don't have to hassle with that thing. See what I mean? You can't do it for a second. You think about it. You're going into the throne room of God when you pray. And how many times have you been distracted? Right? That's what happens in our nature that has alienated us from Christ. All right? And we looked at that in verses 11 and 12. But now we are looking at the unity that is in Christ. Verses 13 through 18. Verse 13 says that, but now in Christ Jesus, he loves that, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ is his death. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So, hey, there you go. It's been taken care of. Okay, far off is the Gentiles. Why? We didn't. We weren't exposed to the covenants of the promises. We weren't exposed to... The commonwealth of Israel. We did not have Christ. But now we who were far off are now brought near. Brought near. I told many of you know this. uh, uh, My religious life before Christ. The only thing I knew was Psalm 23. And the reason that I knew that. It was on the back of the obituary of my father. And then I found out that that's on the back of everybody's obituary. All right. That's all I knew at the extent of the Bible. Okay. And then when I got saved, I said, what should I do? And the guy said, my doctor said, read John. I was like, why would you have me start in the middle of a book and start reading? And then I started reading. They got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why you got to tell the same story four times? All right. So... That is what happens to us. But we have been brought near. Now we hunger and thirst, I hope, for the word of God, because it was the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that brought us to this place. And yet, verse 14 says, He himself is our peace. Peace. Have you ever watched... Basically, humanity. They're always seeking for peace of some kind. They're always seeking for peace. I like to ride. And one of the reasons that I like to ride is it is a a thing of peace. The air and just, you know, cruising and you've got unobstructed views everywhere you look and all the rest of it. And it's just peaceful. Okay, I mean, even, you know, loud pipes and all the rest of it, but it's just, it's just peaceful. It's, it's very peaceful for me. Okay? And then some idiot will pull out in front of you. And there goes peace! Right out the window. Okay? Some of you guys knows I drive a, right at Electric Glide. And I was coming down the hill here, right there before the railroad tracks. And, you know, it's got that frontage road that come out there. I was just coming down through there. There was a car in front of me and he got in the lane to turn right. And this kid pulled right out in front of me. Uh, you know, and I know he didn't see me. That car had blocked it. I got on the binders and slid that thing down and it laid down on its side. And the kid stops in front of me and goes, and then drives off. 
I could have picked that motorcycle up and threw it through his back window. And everybody said, well, how'd you get it up? Well, I was so mad, it was easy. Okay, and I thought, dude, I go after him or what should I do? I don't know, man. So I just left and I said, Lord, see, that's that the Lord is our peace. And you know what's really cool about him being our peace? What can steal that? Nothing can steal it. It's always there. I mean, you may have some kid pull out in front of you on your motorcycle and you, uh, Lord, won't you show him some peace? Okay, now. But he is our peace. Now, in our context here, who made both groups into one. Okay, now he's talking about the Jew and the Gentile. I mean, that's the two essence of humanity that exists on the planet Earth today. I don't care who you are. You can say, well, I'm Chinese. You're a Gentile. Okay, well, I'm Russian. You're a Gentile. If you're a Jew, you're a Jew. All right, do you see what I'm trying to get at? And, and, and it's, it's the essence of global society. You're either a Jew or a Gentile. It's very simple, very easy. And yet, he says, because of his peace, he brought both groups into one, and he broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. You know what's amazing to me about that? Do you realize that all the barriers that cause disunity have been overcome? And I shared with you last week, the, the main thing with barriers is sin. You think you're important. And I tell people, you know what's in the middle of sin, right? I. But the barriers are gone. And yet, I am amazed that so many do it in the name of Christ. Back to the guys with knowledge. I was sitting there listening to these theologians, and we had dinner together. And I said, I've got to ask you a question. They said, all right, well, I said, where is the biblical understanding for denominations? Okay. And th this one guy is, <laughs> he reminds me of Columbo. Remember the TV show Columbo? Okay. I mean, that's, that's what, it, and he sits there and he does this thing. And he says, it's very simple, young man. I said, what is it? He says, Pharisees and the Sadducees. I was like, great, <laughs> because, you know, uh, there, there was a group there, IFCA, Independent Fundamental Churches. They hated denominations, so they started their own. Okay, because every time I deal with these guys, have you ever thought about leaving the Baptist and becoming IFCA? Nope, never thought about it. Well, why not? Well, it just doesn't seem like using my gray matter for Okay, because they're anti-denomination, so they start an anti-denomination denomination. And you're like, well, okay, that's man in his wisdom. Okay. How many of us put up barriers in the name of Christ? Think about it. Do you realize how grieving that is to God's heart? To think that I have made you one in Christ, my son, as the father and the son and the Holy Spirit are one. I have done that for all of us. And yet. The thing that he came to do is to make us one and we continually and constantly want to tear that apart. OK, and it's. uh it's amazing to me because when I think about Scripture, you know, I listen to people. It is amazing to me that, that what we do, we do these things now churches do. This is churches. Demographic studies. Okay? And they want to say, what demographic group do you want your church to reach? What would you just do? You put up a barrier. Listen, all fleshly distinctions are gone. Are gone. I listened to a guy the other day give this, try to give me this big dissertation on tattoos. 
And, you know, I ride a motorcycle. So if you ride a motorcycle, you got a tattoo. Well, I don't have a tattoo. And he says, you don't? Why? How come you don't have one? I just ain't thought of anything I want to put on there all the time. And there's no distinctions. I don't care if you got a tattoo. Gee whiz. I mean, do you realize how stupid that is? Well, you, how can you be a believer and have a tattoo? Well, let me ask you a question. What if I got a tattoo and I become a believer? I cut my arm off? I, I, that's, that's nuts. Now, I've watched some of these people, and it's just footnote for you guys. Anybody thinking about going out and getting a tattoo? Don't get a foreign language that you don't know. I'm just telling you. Okay, because I, I seen a, a girl, and she was so proud of this Greek thing on her wrist, and I didn't have the heart to tell her what it said. Because it wasn't what she thought it said. And I just said, all right. Because, <laughs> I mean, I'm not that good at Greek. But I looked at that and says, that ain't what that says, lady. And now I didn't say it. I didn't want to go through it because it had to do with the rear end of a mule. And what she was saying was the heart of Christ. And I said, that's not his heart. <laughs> it's, it's not back there. Okay. And, you know, and I just like, hey, whatever. But I have seen it with the Chinese. They want to do some Chinese things. And I asked the people, I said, do you know Chinese? Nope. Then how do you know what they put on there? Well, they told me. Oh, that, that makes it all perfect. But I listen to this stuff all the time. And I'm like, really? That's an issue? How can I? You know, I had people get mad. Well, you, I saw you riding your motorcycle the other day. Yeah, it's good gas mileage. Well, you didn't have a helmet on. And now if I was in Kansas, that's a problem, but I'm not in Kansas. Okay. I, you know, you had a helmet on the back of your, your luggage rack. Uh huh. What's that for? Drive you nuts. (laughs) When I get ready to crash, I jump back here and put it on. (laughs) Everybody knows that. All fleshly distinctions are gone. Race does not matter. Your demographics does not matter. Your nationality does not matter. Male and female does not matter. None of it, any of it, all of it has been nailed to the cross. It is all over with. Now listen, I've gone through this. I do understand the Jews, God called out that people separate. For a time in history. And I read Revelations. He will deal with them again in the book of Revelations. Okay? They are separate identity. They had a unique identity. The reason that they had a unique separate identity was God was going to give them what the New Testament called the oracles of God. And they were going to share the oracles of God with humanity. But what did they do? They put up a barrier. The church was born, Judaism ceased at Pentecost. They had a separate identity. They had a separate religion. And that was done away with. And then God wanted to make sure that they understood it. Because do you understand that since 70 AD, no Jew has been able to do the festivals, celebrations, feasts, or sacrifices as God commanded it because the temple has been destroyed and it's still destroyed. So they make it work in their convenience. Now they are still a nation, but their religion has stopped. Okay, God will deal with them as a people. If you look at it in the millennial kingdom, they're still offering what? Sacrifices. All right, but Israel has been put into place. There's a king on the throne again, and we're off and running. Judaism is finished. Remember when the veil was torn? Go do a study on that veil. That thing was massive, and there was three layers of that sucker. And yet, when Jesus died on the cross, that thing was ripped from top to bottom and separated. And you know what that means? The Holy of Holies was accessible to all. And if you go look at that 
that veils, the three that made it up, that, that kept the whole... You could not see the Ark of the Covenant. You would go through one veil... It would close behind you. You'd go through the next veil. It would close behind you. You'd go through the third veil. It would close behind you. And there was the Ark of the Covenant. That's the mercy seat of God. And Jesus died on a cross and said, that thing is accessible. The mercy seat of God is accessible to every man, woman, and child. All men are one. Acts chapter 10. I'll just give you an overview of it. Peter had a vision. This big blanket comes out of heaven. All the animals are on it. They're all on this big old sheep. And the voice from heaven says, give thanks and eat. It doesn't matter anymore. Of course, Peter, being the great stalwart that he is, the great man of God that he is, says, I can't do that. All my life, I've been a Jew. Now, think about that for a second. I know nobody in this room has ever argued with God. Okay? But Peter's arguing with God. You know what God did? Smell that bacon, Peter? Get after it, buddy. That ain't what it says. Okay? But but I want you to think about that for a second. Okay? Because Peter says, no, I've been a Jew. I can't eat that. God says, I made it. Give thanks. And eat it. Okay? Peter figured it out. Quit arguing. Went down to Joppa and met with Cornelius, a Gentile. Cornelius was entered into the kingdom of God. Listen, the feasts are over. That's what he says here. He abolishing in his flesh, in verse 15, the enmity, which is the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances. That's the ceremonial system. The feasts are over. The ceremonies are over. It's finished. There are no more symbols. There are no more shadows. There's no more types. It is finished. It is fulfilled. But I want to give you a footnote. Okay? Romans 14. Apostle Paul told him, If anyone wants to keep the Sabbath because of their conscience, let them. Okay, I was at a conference in uh, Memphis. I told you guys about this. I had a guy there who was Dutch Reformed. They don't do nothing on the Sabbath. Okay, they don't they don't eat. The Sabbath is holy. They don't do anything on the Sabbath. And you're in Memphis. Okay, Memphis. They don't have any good food in Memphis. Okay, I mean their bad food is amazing. <laughs> okay, barbecued crawdads. That's kind of on my borderline. But anyway. Right across the street from where we were having this conference was a chop house. Okay? And, oh my Lord, the best stinking pork chops I ever had. About that big and about that thick. And you could just cut it with a fork. And I mean, just melt in your mouth. And of course, me and several of the other pastors go over and we've got... This Dutch reform guy there, and he says, Well, I'll go with you. He says, But understand, I observe the Sabbath and I, I don't eat or anything like that. So we're sitting there ordering up all this food, and this comes out, and this guy's sitting there looking at us eat these massive pork chops. Okay? And these homemade fries and all the rest of it. And I said, You know, don't hurt your conscience. This is good. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, you know, Paul tells us if somebody wants to keep the Sabbath because of their conscience, let them. If you don't want to, you don't have to. You don't have to. I've even heard him argue the Sabbath is Sundays now because Jesus raised. And I was like, I don't ever rest on Sundays. That's not a day of rest for me. But that whole system is over. That ceremonial system is over. When he said it is... Remember when Jesus said, I have not come to abolish the law. I have come to fulfill it. All of the types and the shadows, he is the fulfillment of it. That's the letter of Hebrews. Sadly, we try so hard to isolate. I mean, black churches. What the heck is a black church? I don't understand what that is. I've seen Jewish churches. What is a Jewish church? I've seen an Irish church in New York. 
I was like, yeah, I bet that's a fun one on St. Patrick's Day. All of that is working against God's plan. Denominations work against God's plan. Listen, and you, you, you sit there and you say, well, listen, I've been with Presbyterians. I've been with fundamentalists. I have been uh, all across the board. You know what? There's a bunch of them people I'm going to spend eternity with. All right. I mean, R.C. Sproul used to be wear one of them big old robe things. And I mean, if you watch him come into his church, he looked like a pope. And I was like, do you understand that that was a conflict in the 1500s? But anyway, you know, that's what he did. He says, I don't want to bring attention to myself. Well, you're in a robe. How do you not bring attention to yourself? You're the only person in the room that's in a robe. If we were all in a robe, all right, you're not bringing attention to yourself. I remember that I preached at a church in London. And you, you had, they call it the high message. And you had to climb up this thing and you stood in a barrel. I, I don't care what anybody says. They said, well, no, that's a high. There's a barrel. Okay. And when you got in there, about this much of you stood out. And there was this little thing right around in front of me where I laid my Bible. It says, sir, we would see Christ. Oh, is he here? No. Why? They didn't want attention to be brought to him. That is all. It's beside me in light of this text. And you, you would say, well, we're not like that. Really? Why do we decide we have to have youth groups? Why do we have to have young married groups? Why do we have to have divorce recovery groups? And of course, I will not forget. You must have the senior adult class. Okay? Aren't they all in Christ? We're trying to undo what Jesus said is finished. And I want you to think about it for a second. Can you really think of a greater miracle? I can. All in Christ, one. That should be our focus. That should be what we're embracing. It shouldn't be, well, that's a young person and I need to go send them to a young person's class. That's young, that's a young married couple and well, we'll send them to the young married couples class. Or that's a singles. Don't forget, you got to have the singles class. Why do we do that? We shouldn't do that. Why? We're one in Christ. I don't care what your age is. I don't care where you are in society. I don't care what your education is. I don't care what your economic, social, whatever. I don't care. If you're saved, we're one. We are one. Paul illustrates this thing because he uses a phrase here. Broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. Broke down the wall. Okay. Now, understand who Paul was. He was a, a Pharisee. Now, those are hardcore Judaism. That's hardcore all right, I want to take you to the temple. You had an outer court, which is the court of the Gentiles. Okay, that's where the women, Jewish women were allowed to be, and the Gentiles. All right, in next level court was the court of the Israelites. After that was a court of the priests. After that was a court of the holy place. That's where the altar was for the burnt offerings. And then after that was behind the veil, the holy of holies, God's presence. Okay. They had boundaries on each of them. Marble walls. All right. Barriers. Gentiles were only allowed in the outer court. Even... If they had converted to Judaism, they were only allowed in the outer court. Okay? Had a marble wall. Joseph is speaking of this marble wall between the court of the Gentiles and the court of the Israelites. In a letter that he called the Law of Purity. Quote, written on this marble wall. 
No Gentile may enter within the sanctuary and the enclosure. Anyone caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. Unquote. Now that's a deterrent. God had those courtyards for a reason. Not the marble walls. He wanted the Gentiles in there to what? Worship. Remember in Mark 11, Jesus is cleansing the temple. Remember that? In Mark 11, it says that he says, My father's house is to be a house of prayer for all nations. Go look at the thousand year, the millennial kingdom in Revelations. What is it? It is a house of prayer for all nations. And you have made it a den of thieves. See, Christ knew that they had taken the court of the Gentiles where they, the Gentiles were to be exposed to God, to be drawn near to God, evangelize these Gentiles, and yet man had corrupted it. And the Gentiles couldn't pass that wall. Now, you sit and say, well, is that really that big a deal? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a big deal. In Acts chapter 21, beginning of verse 27, Paul's back in Jerusalem. Now, you got to understand, Paul had been taught personally by a member of the Sanhedrin, the Council of Seventy, the ones who executed Christ. Remember when he was on the road to Damascus, the Council of Seventy had him to go up there and what? Arrest Christians. He's back in Jerusalem. When the seven days were almost over, the Jews from Asia, okay? Now, when they say Asia, you need to understand that's Turkey, all right? From Asia, upon seeing him in the temple, began to stir up all the crowd and lay hands on him. So the Jews who had settled in Antioch and, and Galatia and Laodicea and all those places, they had come down for the festivals and they saw Paul. Now, they knew that Paul was a powerful preacher. Right? They laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, come to our aid. This is a man who preaches to all men everywhere against our people and the law and this place. Why? He was a powerful preacher who was preaching grace versus the law. Was preaching the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ versus man's work. But see, then they get him. And besides, he has even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Tropimus, the Ephesian. Interesting. What letter are we looking at? The Ephesian in the city with him. And they supposed that Paul had brought him in to the temple. Now, what happens if you take a Gentile in to the court of the Israelites? You kill it. All right. This is when Paul is arrested. They would have killed him on the spot had not the Roman soldiers intervened. Okay, because he was still a Roman citizen. So we can sit and say, well, what's that big a deal? Yeah, let me tell you something. They're wanting to kill Paul for it. It was a big deal. So when Paul, in this letter to the Ephesians, says he has taken down the dividing barrier wall, Paul knows what he's talking about. Now, Paul never did take a Greek into the temple because he understood the Jews. See, he had seen in Jerusalem what that wall was and the animosity that was between the Jews and the Gentiles. They tried to kill him, and it was a lie. But see, it was a lie based on this division. Paul knew well that that middle wall, he knew what he was talking about. And it says here that he himself is our peace 
who made both groups, Jew and Gentile, one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. No more separation. There is no such thing in the body of Christ as the privileged and the unprivileged. Listen, there is no one else who is closer to God. Your ethnicity does not make you closer to God. Do you understand this? Now, as a pastor, I get a lot of people who will call and say, Pastor, I need you to pray about this. And whatever it is. You know what? And I don't mind praying. But you know, I don't have a red phone. That is the hotline to heaven. Because the same communications that I have with God, every one of you have with God. I don't have, you know, well, I know what his email address is. Okay? But they always throttle it down and it takes forever. No, I just can't. But they, I, I just want you to be aware of this. I watch people think that, well, you're the pastor. You've got, I don't have anything that none of you don't already have. There's no difference. There's no difference. Listen, can you read your Bible? Guess what? <laughs> so can I. I could probably even read your Bible. All right? And, and I, I, I really wish the body would understand this, that there is no special... Listen, my ministry in the quote-unquote church... It's different than some. But we all are here for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. If you ever thought about it and you really want to be honest with Scripture, if you're saved, you're a minister. But yet people say, well, you're a minister. Well, yeah, I'm saved. You can't be saved and not be a minister. A servant. I mean, if you're truly honest with it, the word pastor, poimia, Isn't as what a great thing you think it is. It's a shepherd of sheep. Now, I've been around sheep. That is not what you say. I want to do that when I grow up. I don't want to do that. Them things are nasty. There is no one special in the body of Christ. None. None. And yet, what do we do? We make... People special. A number of years ago, Riverside Baptist Church had Dr. MacArthur, probably one of the best expositors uh, alive. Okay? And he came up to Riverside. Now, I don't know if you know where Riverside is, but that's a big, big place. Okay? When we got up there to hear him preach, there was about 150, 200 guys there. It was kind of cool, though. Because you could sit and talk with him and ask him dumb questions and get dumb answers and stuff like that. And, and it was kind of neat. The following week, Eb was up there. Anybody know who Eb is of Green Acres? Uh, I'm, not, I'm the only one who watched Green Acres. Yeah. Or I'm the only one old enough to have watched Green Acres. Either one of those is a bummer. <laughs> but Eb was an actor on... Green Acres. Do you know that they had to have overflow seating in different buildings to listen to him tell a bunch of clean jokes? Now, what's wrong with that picture? Eb? Really? I don't know. Now, if it had been Gilligan, I'd have been. I'm in. I mean, let's go with Gilligan. But Eb wasn't that, I don't know. But he's a believer and he could tell clean jokes. And they had all of these buildings with big screen TVs so that everybody could go see this. And I thought, you have one of the best Bible preachers alive and you get 150 people. And you have a, I guess, Christian comedian. And I don't understand that. Now, I didn't go see Eb. Perhaps if I'd have gone and seen him, I'd have understood what it was all about. But I just wasn't into it. I want you to understand that we are one in Christ. When you see Paul use that word in Christ, do you understand the, the miracle that is in that? Remember what we read in Sunday school this morning? When we are faithless, he is faithful because he cannot deny himself. Did you get that? When we are faithless, he is faithful because he cannot deny himself. You know what that means? 
You and Christ cannot be separated. It's the same entity. We are His. We are in Christ. He can't deny Himself. Even when we are faithless. Faithless. There are no distinctions. If you're saved, there's no distinctions. There's no distinction between you and Martin Luther or John Calvin or John Knox or Robert Murray McShane, Charles Spurgeon. All of them. They're all one. They're all the same. All the same. Positionally, every believer is equal in righteousness. And that righteousness is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I have been clothed, Paul wrote to Colossians, in Christ's righteousness. You know what that means? I am dressed in Christ's righteousness. That is the miracle of our salvation. That's amazing to me. Positionally, I am equal in righteousness with every believer who has ever lived or every believer who will ever live. We are brand new in Christ. Listen, I don't care if you're an infant in Christ. Okay? I mean, I got saved 22 minutes ago. I don't care. I don't care if you've been with Christ for decades. Do you understand that that newborn believer is the same as the saint with the silver hair and decades of time and ministry with the Lord Jesus Christ? There's no difference. There's no difference. I remember a guy reading a guy that brought it back to mind because of SGA. The guy was a doctor, okay, a physician. And part of his rotation was that he had to go to the gulag and work the clinic. Okay? So he's working the clinic. And he got this patient came in. And the patient was a believer. And the patient shared the gospel. The guy got saved. This doctor got saved. Now, during this time, that's a death penalty. All right? So the guy gave him a Russian translation of a handwritten manuscript of the Gospel of Matthew. He put it in his pocket, just, just a bunch of papers, all it is, a bunch of papers, stick it in his pocket. So he goes back to his room after his shift. He goes back and he starts absorbing the Gospel of Matthew. And it fires him up. And a guy just gets lit up, man. So his next shift, he goes cruising back in, right? Guess what he's doing? Every patient he got, let me tell you about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. His second patient that day accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He's jacked. That's good. That's good. He goes back to his room, KGB standing there with his manuscript of Matthew, took him outside and shot him. He reached one person for Jesus Christ. And it cost him his life. Okay? But you know that guy he reached? When socialism collapsed, he was the go-to guy to get all of the Bibles, all the church, SGA and everything went through that one guy who was saved by that doctor and executed that evening. He was the door that everything poured through when socialism dissolved. That one guy he reached and it cost him his life, was the door that all those trips I've made to Russia was right through Sergei. And Sergei reached, received the gospel from a doctor in a gulag. Okay? And yet there's no difference between that doctor and Sergei. But you know what's really crazy? There's no difference between John MacArthur and the thief on the cross. Got that? And actually, that doctor 
or the thief on the cross, you got to kind of envy them. That was a quick race. You know, we got her done. They wrote me down. They didn't even put my name in the Bible, but they wrote her down and be with me in paradise and I'm out of here. The doctor shared the gospel one time. Cost him his life. And yet there's no difference between any believer. And you want to talk about a miracle. That's what it means to be in Christ. So whether you're brand new in Christ or you've walked with him for decades or years. They're all equal. They're all equal. Do me a favor. Do my Lord a favor. When you walk out of here, embrace that truth. We're all equal. We're all equal. Although I deteriorate a little bit when people cut me off on my motorcycle. I'm going to, okay, 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 okay. you know, fire and brimstone. But he always brings me back. Okay. I want you guys to be aware of that. We are all equal. Period. Now, if we're all equal, where's the division? Interesting concept, isn't it? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that the work of the cross is beyond our understanding. And yet, Father, as I continue to survey the wondrous cross, the more I think about it, I think that all has been nailed to it. We all stand united in the oneness of the Godhead. We are part of it. Wow. Help us, Father, to walk worthy. Help us to embrace this reality, this massive miracle that we may bring glory to our Heavenly Father and praise to our Lord and Savior. In Christ's name, amen.